In Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 28, the Bible says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you, blessed. For another privilege that thou hast given this side of eternity to preach your word. Lord, I realize that without you I could do nothing. And, oh God, I just pray for wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you'd be honored in the service. And God, you give me the very message that we need to bring tonight to be an encouragement, a blessing to your people. I pray, oh God, you'd meet the need of every heart. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Okay, uh, I want to uh, bring you a message on uh, the privileges that God has given to man. And uh, the first one we look at is the privilege to come. As the invitation is given here, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Now, I don't know about you, but, uh, but that just uh, amazes me. I'm overwhelmed with the fact that God would invite me. And uh, this is a wonderful thing. Uh, you know, if you got a call from the President of the United States to uh, come to Washington, uh, I would say you would be honored, or maybe not. But <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I think certainly because of the position that that represents, regardless of what you may think of him personally, uh, it would certainly be an honor. And yet, we have an invitation that is far greater than that, and that is an invitation from God Himself. And uh, the idea that man would reject that invitation is, is hard for me to understand. Uh, that God extends an invitation, and yet man says, uh, uh, sorry, but no thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. Well, we have an invitation we know to come for salvation. That's the first invitation that's extended. In Isaiah 55, 1, he said, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, he that hath no money. Come ye by and eat, yea, come by wine and milk without money and without price. And I never read that, but what I think of uh, Brother Lee Smith, who's been with the Lord now for a number of years, and uh, his testimony, he said when God saved him, uh, he, he always gave a testimony that he was glad it was free. He said if it had cost anything, I couldn't have gotten but a dollar's worth. Because that's all I had. I had one dollar. And uh, that's all the money I had in the world. And so he says we can come without money and without price. Now it's God that does the inviting. The Lord is the one that extends the invitation. In Genesis 7, 1, the Lord said to Noah, Come by and all thy house into the ark. Isaiah 1, 18 says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet. They shall be as white as snow, though they be red like crimson. They shall be as wool. John 7, 37, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And God closes the Bible in Revelation 22, 17, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him that hears say, Come. Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Isn't that wonderful? Some of the last words the Lord gave to man was to come. Whosoever will, let him come.
What a blessing. In John 6, 44, it says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And so man cannot come unless he's invited to come. And I'm glad God does invite. I believe God invites every man to come because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so the, the invitation to come for salvation, then not only that, but there's an invitation for sanctification as well. Sanctification means to be set apart. You know, the fact is that uh, we're a bunch of sinners. And I don't know about you, but uh, I've never arrived uh, at the place that I want to be. Uh, God's, uh, I like the, uh, the little sign, the saying that uh, don't judge me yet. God's not through with me yet. And he's still working on me. A little chorus the kids used to sing. And I'm glad he is. And God is, uh, you know, the need of society, the need of this day is the Lord. Uh, that really is what man needs. Man needs changing and sanctification involves that. Now, how is this brought about? John 17, verse 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so the word of God is that that brings about this change. In 2 Timothy 2, Verse 20 and 21, he said, In a great house, there's not only vessels of stone, but there's vessels of wood and earth and uh, vessels of silver there. But he said, If uh, vessels of honor, some to honor, some to dishonor, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. God wants us to be sanctified. He wants us to be different. He wants us to be set apart. And uh, we ought to be different, not just for the sake of being different, but because of who we represent. And, uh, you know, it's been said, someone said they went into the church and they saw the world. And they went in the world and they saw the church. What they were saying, I couldn't tell any difference. But there ought to be a difference, uh, a distinct difference in a child of God. Now, God's the only one that can produce that. We may want to be different. But the Bible says, can the Ethiopian change the color of his skin? Can the leopard change their spots? And the answer is no. And so only God can change a person into a new creature. And then we come to him for security. It is in him that we find our security. Uh, you know, the only ones, that, the only people in the world that know for sure they're saved are people that base their salvation on the grace of God. There's no other way to know. The reason a lot of people don't know they're saved is because they believe in something else other than grace to save them. If I'm saved by my own efforts, how could I ever be sure that I'd done enough? But if I'm saved by what Christ did on the cross of Calvary, then my security is sure and certain. And God gave us a book in, in the book of 1 John. He said, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And so we can know we're saved. We come to Him for security. So we have this wonderful illustration here, this wonderful invitation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's the rest. Hebrews talks about this rest. That we can rest in Christ. 
And the first come there is to come to him for salvation, to come to him for rest, to come for, to him for trust. And then the invitation of service, take my yoke upon you, learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart, you shall find rest unto your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so that wonderful invitation to come. Then I want you to turn to the book of Luke, chapter 24. And uh, there's another uh, privilege that we have as Christian people. In Luke chapter 24, the Lord Jesus is getting ready to go back to heaven. And he's talking to the disciples there and uh, giving them instruction. And in Luke 24, 49, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tear ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. You know, that's one of the hardest things in the world to do. As Brother Tomlinson brought out in the opening this morning, one of the hardest things in the world to do is wait on the Lord. Isaiah said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. And so uh, that uh, tearing is so very important uh, for the child of God. The Lord said, gives them this commission. But he said, before, uh, before you go, I want you to wait for the promise. Talking about the Holy Spirit. I want you to tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Now, he's not talking about laziness here, you know. Uh, he's not talking about just warming the pew. Uh, I've heard people say, the only thing God called me to do was warm the pew. Well, uh, you know, we've got enough heat to warm the pews. We, uh, we need people to go. We'll get to that in a moment. But uh, uh, he's not talking about that kind of tearing. He's talking about waiting on God and trusting God for that power that we need. Now, what do we tarry for? Well, we tarry for instruction. We find the Lord, of course, told the disciples uh, to uh, meet him in Galilee there before his crucifixion. And then after his uh, uh, resurrection in verse 45, here in Luke, then opened he their understanding that they might understand uh, the scriptures. What do we need to tarry for? We need to tarry for instruction in the things of God. You know, uh, you can't help someone else uh, spiritually, uh, scripturally, unless you know the scripture yourself. Uh, in fact, uh, we, we talked about the security there. I've never known of a person that wasn't secure in their own salvation that was able to help anyone else with their salvation. And so we, we need to be familiar with the Bible. Now, that don't mean we, well, I need to, to wait till I know all the Bible before I try to help anyone else. Well, just forget it. Uh, you know, you'll never know it all. We're all still learning. But uh, waiting for instruction. The Bible said in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I believe the Bible has an answer to every problem and every situation that man may encounter. Now, it may not deal specifically with a particular issue, but the principle is there. 
I think you'll find the principle to guide you through the Holy Spirit of God in making the right decision. And so we need to be familiar with the Word of God. And he tells them there to tarry. And uh, then we need to tarry for intervention. That is the intervention of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts in chapter number 13, uh, and uh, the first couple of verses there, it says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Now notice here, these prophets and teachers were in this particular church. And you find that pretty common uh, in, in churches, certainly fundamental churches across this country. And here were these prophets and teachers. And of course, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, notice, they were already serving God. And in that church, they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Now, the Holy Ghost is the one that calls them. He's the one that intervenes. He's the one that separates them and sends them out. And you know, uh, we need to seek God uh, and uh, for His intervention and for the intervention of the Holy Spirit and what God would want us to do, where God would have us to go. I think sometimes, uh, you know, uh, missionaries uh, uh, go to the field and God's never really called them to be a missionary. And then I think there's some that God maybe has called that's not, uh, that's not willing to obey. I had a man tell me on his dying, uh, it just, uh, he died shortly thereafter. And he told me, uh, he said, uh, God called me to preach when I was a young man. And I wouldn't preach. I would not obey God. And I have, my life has been miserable. I've lived my life out of the will of God. What a tragedy to come to the end of life and knowing that God had called a person to do a job and they had failed to respond to that call. So we need to tarry for God's intervention and for God's calling. Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to serve? What is your will for my life? Uh, that's the important thing. And then uh, for the infilling of his power. The Lord uh, instructed those in Acts chapter 1, if you'll turn there, Acts chapter 1 and uh, uh, verse number 4. It said, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. And so it tells them here, that they're not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise. And then in Acts 1 and verse 8, that uh, well-known verse, but you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem 
and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. He said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. And he said, when the promise comes, the power will come. And uh, now what if they'd headed out on their own? And after Jesus went on back to heaven, he ascended back to the Father. They'd say, okay, he told us to go in all the world. Let's just get at it. And they'd uh, they'd, uh, went into all the world. They would have been unsuccessful without the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus said in John 15, without me, (coughs) you can do nothing. So they waited 10 days until God filled them with his power. Now the Holy Spirit had not yet come to remain as an eternal gift with them. And so the Holy Ghost, the day of Pentecost was fully come, the Holy Ghost came down. And uh, now, of course, the Holy Spirit comes when we become a believer. And we don't seek for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We're not waiting for the promise of God because that promise has already come. But may I hasten to say that we do need the filling of the Holy Spirit. If you're saved tonight, the Holy Spirit lives in you, but He may not have filled you and controlling you. And that's what we need desperately. And that filling of God's Holy Spirit. And the reason I think many times we don't have it is because we haven't done much tarrying. With our fast-paced lifestyle, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, with, uh, it's hard just to, uh, uh, just to be quiet and let God talk to you and to wait and tarry uh, for the Lord to come. And sometimes I go out and, and I, I realize the power's missing. Uh, and sometimes I preach and there's times when there's more power than other times. And the reason may be because there's been more tarrying and more uh, time spent with God. See, that makes the difference. Uh, the infilling of his power. Uh, we need that desperately. And then I want you to turn to Matthew 28, and all these are uh, familiar scriptures. There's nothing new tonight. I just want us to look at something to bring to our remembrance. So the invitation, the first invitation was to come, Come to be saved, come to be sanctified, come for security. And then the tarrying for the, for the filling of God's Holy Spirit for the instruction and all. And now the going, Matthew 28. Now if you get these out of order, you got a problem. And sometimes we do. Uh, we go. And uh, uh, there are those that say, well, if you go, he promised to go with us. And he did do that. But he also told us to, I think, to be filled with the Spirit of God. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Well, let's read here in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. I like verse 18. Let me read that. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Think of that. The Lord has it all. Sometimes we think of the, we talk about the power of the devil. You know, the only power the devil has is the power God allows him to have because all power is, is the Lord Jesus. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Well, this scripture has been preached on and uh, looked at in uh, uh, different, uh, different ways. And uh, someone preached on I jotted down here in the Bible, evangelize, baptize, and stabilize. All those eyes. Uh, well, uh, certainly, here we have the Great Commission. And the Lord said, I want you, what's the first thing? Is go. Someone said the first two letters in gospel is what? Go. And uh, you know, you can't separate the gospel from going. Jesus demonstrated it. Jesus taught it. Jesus encouraged it. And there's no way to get around it. He, he was the one that, that went. He set the example for you and I to follow. He said, go ye therefore. Who's to go? He said, I want you to go. I want you to go. Go ye therefore. And uh, teach all nations. Now, uh, in teaching all nations, he's not talking about instructing them because it's a, that's a different teach than the teaching in verse 20. The teach all nations here uh, really is to evangelize, to make disciples. In other words, to get them saved. That's their commission. That's not this the commission of, uh, uh, of preachers. You say, that's what we pay you to do. I'm supposed to go where I get paid or not. And I did. Uh, you know, when I made a total surrender to God, I didn't have any problem going. Uh, the problem I had was before that. But when I made that total surrender to God, uh, I wanted to go. And so he said, I want you to go, therefore, and teach all nations. I want you to get folks saved. Then I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Sometimes... You know, we get a person saved and we say, wonderful, wonderful, they're saved now. And sometimes we, uh, we just uh, let them go and we don't complete the Great Commission. Uh, the Great Commission is to get folks saved and then get them baptized. Get them baptized. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And then the job's still not done. Teaching them to observe all things Whatsoever I have commanded you, and the Lord said, I'm with you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Thank God he said, if you'll do it, I'll be with you. I'll go with you. If you'll go, I'll go with you. So, uh, you know, it's always an encouragement to me when, uh, when I see someone saved, some young convert saved, and... Uh, uh, you know, maybe someone in the church, a family in the church, takes them under their wings and, and says, I want to help them to grow in the Lord. I want to be a friend to them. I want to be a blessing to them. And I want to help them grow in the Lord. I know when I was pastor in Maiden, we had a lot of folks saved. And we'd have 10, 15 people saved on a Sunday. It was not uncommon. And so we had young converts class. And those that got saved... Uh, we instructed them in some of the basic things of the Word of God. But we had, a, we had a man in that church. God saved him, and I'll tell you, that fella, he was a fireball. 
I mean, he went crazy about serving God. He, he went uh, head over heels. He fell head over heels in love with the Lord. And uh, I mean, uh, I don't know how many people he led to the Lord. A lot of those that came and got saved, he was right there with them, showing them how to be saved from the Bible. And uh, uh, when they got saved, he'd tell them now, I, the, you know, he said, now the preacher's going to talk to you. <laughs> He's going to ask you some questions and, about your salvation. And you need to give a public testimony of your faith. And you need to get baptized. You need to join the church. You need to start tithing. You need to be here tonight. And Wednesday night. And you need to go on visitation. Well, I'll tell you, he, uh, you know, he, uh, he really instructed them right off the bat. I thought, man, maybe he's giving them too much right there at the beginning. But uh, he was a great blessing. And, and a great help. To the ministry... And he took it seriously. And a lot of people, they, I mean, they were excited about being saved. And they thought, man, I'm saved. I'm supposed to do all those things. I guess I better be. And it was not uncommon. I mean, for a person to get saved on Sunday and be in visitation on Thursday night. Uh, and so the, the message does not stop with uh, uh, the matter of salvation. Now we need to go and witness. Now the Holy Ghost makes us a witness. Uh, Acts 1 8 said, You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What is a witness anyway? A witness is someone that saw something. I mean, it's something that happened to you. If you're a witness of something, if you see a crime committed, you, you're a witness, you say, I saw it happen such and such a way, such and such a time. And so we're to go and be a witness and tell people what God's done for us. Psalm 126, verse 6, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. But we need to, we need to bear some seed. Uh, uh, you know, you can plow a garden and, and get it all tilled up, get your rows laid off, Say, boy, I'm making me a garden. But you'll never have anything unless you plant some seed. Uh, you'll have, well, I say you won't have anything. You'll have a crop of weeds. Uh, and uh, I, I like to garden, but uh, those weeds are a problem some of the grass, you know. I don't mind the weeds so much as the grass. And that grass uh, uh, is, is a problem. I know uh, when I, I lived a place down Newton there, and I had a garden for a while, and uh, we had this uh, Bermuda grass. Is that what it is? We had Bermuda grass and the, got in the, the lawn, and that stuff got in the garden. And I'll tell you, if you've never fought Bermuda grass, uh, you'd think, well, I've got it all plowed up, and, and everything's, uh, everything's fine. It'd come in rain, and it'd look, it'd look like a golf course, you know, it'd be green again. And I finally just gave up and got me a cow. Fenced it, fenced it in and started raising cattle in that little lot I had. But uh, uh, anyway, you've got to bear the seed. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bear in precious seed. And we need to take the word of God and that, uh, that's what we need to witness too, you know. That's the message. That's what we've witnessed, the saving grace of God that's contained in this book. And we need to give them the Word of God. Uh, and uh, you know the devil will fight that. 
was talking to this fellow Thursday night. And, uh, of course, I'd presented the, the plan of salvation to him before, just reminding him some things. And, uh, you know, I, I, I guess I, I, I've learned to expect the devil to do something. And was talking about it and getting into it, and the phone rung. And I think it was one of those uh, telephone companies. You got any of those calls lately? You know, uh, we, want to, we want you to change the air service. I said, send me some information, which I don't have time to read. That's just get them off the phone. But, uh, uh, you know, I said, if you can give me a better price, fine, send it on. But uh, the, you know, it, it's amazing what will happen. Uh, uh, we were, I've told you before, we were witnessing one, one time and uh, in this mobile home and the door, it was in the summertime, it had a, a screen door, a storm door, I believe there, and the door fell off. I mean, I'm being honest, the door fell off. <laughs> uh, it's amazing how the devil will fight uh, anything you try to do for the Lord. So we're to go to be a witness and then we're to win them. Proverbs 11.30, He that winneth souls is wise. Paul writes there in Corinthians, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. He's talking there to the believer, but in application, we need to be persuasive and try to win people to Christ. And uh, you know the best you can do. Uh, sometimes you feel that you failed. And you take the message in the gospel and it's really up to God. Uh, you know, I, I wish everybody, everybody I talk to got saved, but the fact is the majority don't. Only a few receive the message of salvation. And you know, there's, there's a, a temptation to, uh, to water it down. God on the cross arose from the dead. I believe it. Okay, you're saved. Sign here. Well, listen. I don't ever remember a time. I didn't believe that. As long as I can remember, I believe Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead. Uh, I've been taught that all my life, and I, I, again, I've, I've always believed that as long as I know. I wasn't saved, though. And I believe it's possible for a person to believe everything I believe and everything you believe and still be lost. You can believe it with your head and not, and not receive Him into your heart. And there's a difference. And so uh, we need to win people. He that winneth souls is wise. And that's not easy. I want to say to you, if you go through life and you win one to Christ, you will accomplish more than if you gain the whole world. The Bible said, What shall it profit a man if you gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Nothing in the world more wonderful. You say, What keeps you going? I'll tell you one thing keeps me going is I keep thinking that next one I talk to is going to get saved. And the fact of the matter is that I may never win another to Christ. I trust that's not so. But if it is, I've got to go anyway. God commanded me to go. And if nobody else ever listens, I've still got to go. Because the Lord said, Go! How can we get around that? How can we escape that command and be obedient? We cannot. He makes no distinction there. He didn't say that's only for disciples. 
And you may take that position. You may say, well, that's, uh, that's, he says, go to the disciples. You go get folks saved. You get them baptized. Okay, if that's on to the disciples, look at verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. We can say, okay, they was only talking to the disciples. That don't concern me. He said, okay, you go get folks saved, you get them baptized, and you teach them to observe all things, whatever I commanded you and what he commanded them. He commanded them to go teach, uh, teach, teach all nations and uh, uh, baptize them. Now, how do we get away from it? The fact of the matter is, when we don't do it, we're disobedient. There's absolutely no way around it. It's a sin of omission if we don't do it. Because he said, I want you to go, and then I want you to teach them to do what you're doing. How long do you think it would take this church to fill up if everybody would obey that? How long? I'd say in less than a year, this church would be packed. If everybody in this building would say, I'm going to win at least one to Christ this year, and I'm going to teach them to do what I'm doing, which means I'm going to teach them to win at least one more to Christ, how long do you think it'd take? You think if a person worked at it at least once a week, they could win someone to Christ in a year's time? You think if we worked at it every day, D.L. Moody, his philosophy was that I want to witness to someone, at least some lost person every day of my life. That was his desire and, and the challenge of his life to, to reach at least one person every day. The fact of the matter is sometimes we just don't work at it. And uh, so uh, we need to be doing it. We need to, uh, to go and, and uh, teach all nations, baptize them, and uh, teach them to observe all things. And then we need to watch. Mark 13, 37, And what I say unto you, I say unto all, Watch. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. 1 Peter 4, 7, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. That means what? Expect the Lord to come every day. Do we really believe it? We talk about it. Here we are. We're Baptists, fundamental Baptists. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. We believe in the premillennial coming of Christ. And uh, we say Jesus could come any moment. The fact of the matter is, if he came tonight, it would shock lots and lots of people and maybe shock us. We, we say we believe he's coming, but do we expect him? Are we watching? And to watch is to be ready. It's like the the man that was a caretaker for this rich man he took great care to keep everything neatly trimmed, keep the grounds looking beautiful. 
Someone asked him, said, why do you take such pains? He said, my master could return today. He went on and asked him, said, how long has it been since he was here? He said it had been several years. I can't remember exactly, eight or ten years since he had even come. But he was, that man was expecting the master to come back any time. And that's the way we're to be. We're to be expecting the Lord to come. You say, what would you do if you believed Jesus Christ would come next Sunday? What would you do? Would there be any changes? Well, there probably would be. But you know something? I'd be right here Wednesday night, right here Thursday night, just like always, good Lord willing. That's the way we're to be. We're not to go out on top of some hill and wait for him to come. We're to be working and serving him till he returns again. Let's bow our heads.